Welcome to the James River Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor David Lindell, Executive Ministry Pastor at James River Church. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. Today, we come to Joshua chapter four. So if you've got your Bible, I encourage you to grab it, go on the app. You can follow along with the notes. And then I would just encourage you to take notes as well. As God speaks to you, you want to write that down. You want to write that down. Well, as I was studying Joshua chapter four, I came across uh, the story of Bill, Tom, and Fred. And it was actually a sad day in their Life. There, was now, there were now only three of them. There had been four, which was important because every Tuesday morning they played golf together, and they had done that for the last 12 years since retiring. The fourth member of their group, Harry, had died. And so what they decided to do, because it wasn't just that they simply missed his company, he was also the eyes of the group because by this point in life, none of the other three had good enough eyesight to tell where their ball had gone when they hit their tee shots. And so the three of them went to the club pro and explained the problem to him. And the, they said, you know, we need a fourth player, but what is absolutely imperative is that this person has to be able to see well. And so the club pro selected George, assuring them that George had perfect eyesight for a man of his age. And with George in tow, the four of them went to play their 18 holes on the next Tuesday morning. And as each one of them hit their tee shots, they would immediately turn to George and ask him, did you see that? To which George replied in turn in the affirmative. And so after hitting their tee shots, they set out down the fairway and Bill knew approximately where his ball went, having done this for a very long time. And when he came to the approximate distance, which he normally hit the ball, he asked George, where's my ball? To which George replied, I can't remember. There's power in memory. (laughs) We laugh about forgetfulness. We tell stories like that because we're all pretty great at forgetting. This is the reason why your password for the Chick-fil-A app is the same as your bank account. (laughs) One password. (laughs) Because it's hard to remember. It's hard to remember. There's a lot to remember. But remembering is important. Yeah, I think about all of the memories from childhood growing up with my mom. Brandon and I love to catch wildlife and show it to her. We just love to put our, 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 you know, what we caught on display and we wanted her to get as close to it as she was willing to. Because she was a great mom, she was willing to get very close. And so we caught one day this six foot black snake and we put it in a box and we brought it up the deck stairs and we put it right next to the back door because we were super excited. We never caught a snake this big and it just like scary and we knew mom would love it. And so um, we said, like we ran inside and we said, mom, 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 come you gotta come see this. You gotta come see this, you're gonna love this. this we caught a snake. We didn't tell her how big it was. So 
we went out there, but when we went out, when we opened the door and we went, we got around, she was like, oh, you know, trying to like, this is great. I'm so proud of you guys, you know. Um, and one of us, you know, because this is what junior high boys do, we kicked the box and the snake coiled. And when it opened its mouth, its mouth was completely white inside. What does that tell you? For us, that told us this is a cotton mouth. This is a venomous snake. Mom ran inside, but she gave us permission to get our BB guns, kick the box over and chase that sucker down, which is exactly what we did. Neither one of us got bit. Happy story. She's proud of us. So anyway, the truth of the matter is we are all the product of what we remember. We're the product of what we remember and what we remember matters. This is why scripture, as you walk through the pages of scripture, scripture is replete with God calling his people to remember. So if you go back into the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 12, God is establishing the Passover because he wants his people to remember their delivery from slavery in Egypt. As you peruse the Old Testament, the writer of Ecclesiastes calls people to remember their creator. And then Paul, he tells Timothy, he tells the Corinthians, he's telling everyone not to forget the grace of God, to remember what God has done for them in the gospel, because remembering matters. Jesus, as he gathers with the disciples at the Last Supper, he says, do this in remembrance of me. What we remember matters, which is why Joshua chapter four, as they've crossed the Jordan River is all about remembering. It's all about remembering what God has done. It's all about remembering how God has helped them. It's all about remembering what God did for them that they could never do for themselves. In this passage, you know, if you read Joshua chapter four and you think about it chronologically, it kind of hops all over the place. It seems like sometimes they're in the river and sometimes they're out of the river and you're like, I don't really know what's happening here. And it's because the writer hasn't structured these, these verses chronologically. He structured them thematically because he's trying to get a point across. And so it's better rather than thinking of the chapter as a blow by blow, it's better to think of it in layers of meaning and significance that tie into the theme of remembering. And there are three layers I want you to notice as we work our way through Joshua chapter four. The first layer is the importance of the question. The second is the power of your answer. And the third layer is the purpose of the moment. But I wanna start by looking at the first layer, the importance of the question. I want you to notice something about Joshua chapter four as we dive into it. And we're gonna look at verses one through seven first, but I want you to notice at the very beginning what Joshua highlights. Look at verse one. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them saying, take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly and bring them over with you and lay them down at the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan. Take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel. 
that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, what do those stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to you, to the people of Israel, a memorial forever. Then when you go down to verse 21, you notice what Joshua highlights again. And he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Here's the thing. Kids ask a lot of questions. We have, we have four children. And so this passage is not abstract. This is very real. This is like, that's the way life works right there. When your children ask in times to come. Recent survey was done of a thousand mothers. And the point of the survey was for them to document how many questions their young children asked them in one day. And so a thousand mothers documented, and what they found out is that the average young child asked their mother 288 questions every single day. <laughs> the most prolific question askers of young children are four-year-old girls. They ask an average of 390 questions every single day, which if you're doing the math is one question every 56 seconds, they are awake. That's a lot of questions. Last night we were having dinner together. I had just read this survey. And so without telling anybody, I just started counting the amount of questions that my kids asked Becky at the dinner table. And in 60 seconds, they asked her five questions. That's a lot of questions. I noticed they didn't ask me any questions. All the dads in here are like, when you get questions, you're like, uh-huh, yeah, that's good, you know? That's why they ask mom. You're like, but kids ask a lot of questions. They love asking questions, which is incidentally why when, you know, young parents get a call from grandma and it, the grandma says, hey, do you want me to swing by and take the kids for a while this afternoon? Before she can get the words out of her mouth, they're like, yes! They'll be on the curb. <laughs> you won't see us. Just take them. And what happens is grandma takes them home and then after they ask grandma about a thousand questions, it's grandpa's turn. What does grandpa do? Grandpa takes them outside, finds something to do. And as they're walking with grandpa, what happens? Hey, grandpa, what's that rock? Well, uh, it's just a rock. You know, it's like, why is it there? Somebody, somebody put it there. Why did they put it there? They thought it was important. Why did they think it was important? Because they wanted us to see it. Why would they want us to see it? Okay, you're going back to your mother. You know, like that's, <laughs> we're done here, you know. But kids, that's, that's the way they learn. That's the way kids learn. That's the way God set it up. Like this is why Moses in Deuteronomy chapter six and verse six, when he's talking about how parents are gonna instruct their children, he says, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart and you shall teach them diligently to your children. How? You shall talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. That sounds like a day with little children. You know, like, that's very practical. That's the way that works. What Joshua is establishing here is, and he, he's, 
he's alluding to the fact that there are going to be days in the future when the people of Israel, like they're going to load up the family minivan and mom and dad and grandpa and grandma are going to go on a road trip through Israel and they're going to go to Jordan River National Park. And when they get there, they're going to see some stones stacked up. And guess what? Kids aren't any different today than they were in the ancient Near East. They asked a lot of questions then, they ask a lot of questions now. And Joshua knows they're gonna be like, hey, grandpa, what are those stones? Oh, those are the stones that we brought out of the river a long time ago. Why do we bring stones out of the river? Well, because God told us to. Why did God tell you to? Because God had parted the Jordan River and he wanted us to remember it. Where did the stones come from? Out of the middle of the river. You know, like the, he understands this is very much how this is gonna happen. And Joshua wants them to understand those questions are important. Those qu don't just slough off those questions. Don't just push those questions. Don't just say, oh, I don't want to talk about that right now. I'm, I'm busy. The questions are important. And, and part of what he's establishing for us is that we need to be the kind of people who live lives, not just with our children, but with anyone who's around us, that we signal that we welcome the questions people have about our God, that we are open books about our faith that we're never intimidated by people's questions about the Bible, that we're never like, oh, no, I don't want to talk about that. My faith is personal and private. Perhaps the greatest thing that would usher a new normal into your life is to stop relegating your faith to the personal and private and that you would take it out into the open and make it very public so that a watching world, when it has questions about your God, knows you're the right person to ask. This is why Peter says what he does in 1 Peter. He says this, always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks about the hope you possess. How often is always? Ha, you guys are super smart. Always. There should never be a time when questions are off limits. And that's certainly true for parents and grandparents. Here's what I, I would just ask you. Have you established an environment in your home where your kids, when they have a question about life, when they have a question about faith, when they have a question about relationships, when they have a question that they feel a little awkward about, feel a little uneasy about, you're the easiest person for them to ask. And they don't even give it a second thought. They automatically, instead of going to a school counselor or a teacher or a friend, they go to mom, they go to dad, they go to grandpa, they go to grandma, because you've laid a foundation that their questions are important and that the conversation matters. Joshua starts by saying, okay, there are going to be questions asked and those questions are important. But though the question itself is important, the power of the question is tied to the content of the answer. Because how many of you know, your kids can ask questions all day long, but that question may not yield a conversation that has any power to it because the power is contingent on your answer. And you see this in verse six. 
When your children ask you in time to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. God did a miracle. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forevermore. Notice what Joshua doesn't say. Hey, when your kids ask you what these stones mean, the answer is whatever you want them to mean. What do you think they mean? That is definitely not the answer. That's a perfectly normal answer in our day, but it's not a biblical answer because the stones mean something and what they mean matters. It matters. God has a story that he wants to tell and he is delivering that story, story through the strategic vehicle of the answer of God's people. What did God do? What did God bring about? What, what, did God, what did God do in parting the waters? How is that significant? Guess what? The answer, the specific answer is significant. It matters what they say in response to that because the stones have meaning. God knew that as he, as he brought the children of Israel out of the river Jordan, that they were gonna set up those stones and they were gonna be a memorial forevermore to speak about the truth of what had happened. And here's the same, the, this, this, the truth, the same is true for us. That whatever you carry out of a situation, whatever you carry out of a challenge, whatever you carry out of a season is creating a memorial. It's creating a memorial. So you walk through a difficult, challenging, trying season and you carry out of it the stone of God's faithfulness. And you carry out of it, even though things were hard and you didn't know how it was gonna turn out, you carry out of it the stone of God's provision. And you, and you, and you come out of it and you, and you realize there wasn't a reason in the world you should have had peace. But you carry out of it the stone of God's peace and you carry out of it joy, inexplicable joy. There was, there was, everybody was wondering, why are you so happy? You just got a diagnosis I could never imagine getting, but you've got joy. And you carry out the story of the people God brought into your life and the words of encouragement they spoke when you thought everybody would abandon you and nobody would stick close to you, God brought people in your path. God did it. God did it. And you, and you bring out of that situation the story of God's unfailing love. And what happens is out of that situation, there's the potential for you to build a monument so that when your kids ask what you've carried out of the situation gives credence to the answer that you supply. There's a God in heaven who cares. There's a God in heaven who sees. There's a God in heaven who knows. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And I've set up a memorial to the God who does the impossible. That's the potential. That's the potential. The problem is that the stones we set up are the stones we select. The stones you carry out of that season are the stones you choose. And too often, 
we end up selecting the stone of disappointment. I don't know why that happened. That's not the way I would have wanted things to work out. We select the stone of frustration. We select the stone of regret. Regret is heavy. <laughs> we select the stone of regret. We select the stone of betrayal. Shouldn't have done that to me. I deserved better than that. They had no right, they had no right to do that. I'm not gonna forget. And so we select the stone of unforgiveness. And we select the stone of anger. Not gonna let that happen to me ever again. Never again. I'm never gonna forget. They did wrong to me. And I'm gonna keep that close. And we select the stone of resentment. And what we've done is we've built a memorial forever. And then we wonder why our kids aren't interested in the gospel of God's forgiveness. And we wonder why our coworkers aren't interested in an invite to come and hear about the good news. And it's because what we've carried out of the season is what we remember from the season and because it's what we remember is what we memorialize. And it plays out like this. Mom, why are you so angry at them? Oh, well, let me tell you a story. You want to know? You want to know? I'll, I'll, I'll give you all the dirt on that. I mean, I realize maybe you weren't there. You can't understand how hurtful that was, how painful that was to me. I, I, I know you can't understand, but I remember. Dad, why can't you let that go? Well, you know what? There are some things that we just don't let go of in this family, and that's not okay. You've selected stones. You've set up a memorial, you've decided this is what's going to be big to you. You say that's big, but this is what there's a monument to. This is what gets talked about. And so when your kids ask questions, there's no credence to the answer because what you remember is your hurt. Can I just ask you? Because I realize some of you are saying, well, that's what happened. That's my truth. Are you telling me not to speak my truth? Are you telling me to deny reality? My question for you would be, is that what happened? Or are those just the stones you chose to pick up and carry out of the situation? Because as I remember, they were crossing a river. They were walking through an impossible situation into an impossible land. And yet they chose to select stones that spoke to the faithfulness, the character, and the consistency of a God who never changes. They selected these stones on purpose from right where the priest's feet had touched down in the middle of the river. 
They selected that stone. So I'm, I'm gonna ask you this. Are you more interested in memorializing your hurt or memorializing the God who brings wholeness? Are you more interested in preaching the gospel of your regret or the God who redeems? Because all of us are choosing. We're constantly exiting and entering seasons. And in those seasons and in those situations, we always have a choice what we carry out. And what you carry out matters. And it doesn't just matter. Oh, it matters for your kids. And it matters for your coworkers. And it matters for your friends. And it matters for the people around you. But it goes far beyond that. Far, far, far far beyond that. And this is the third layer of what Joshua wants us to understand in Joshua chapter four, namely the purpose of the moment. Because in any given moment, God is doing things that extend in their import and significance way beyond the moment. What you memorialize out of a moment has ramifications far beyond the moment itself. What God is doing in the nation of Israel in Joshua chapter four, what he's calling them to is actually lining them up with his purposes that extend far, far, far beyond them. There's ramifications to what you remember that you don't even know about. Joshua wants them to understand this. And so listen to what he writes in chapter four and verse 19. The people came up out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those 12 stones, which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. Now, what I want you to notice about this is that it's, it's date stamped. And that's not just because. The Holy Spirit inspired these verses on purpose for a purpose. And when the Holy Spirit points us to, through the writing of Joshua, the 10th day of the first month, that date matters. Why does that date matter? Because 40 years prior to this moment, something happened on that day. 40 years prior to this moment, we read in Exodus chapter 12 and verse three, that it was the first time that the Passover was celebrated, that a lamb was selected and slaughtered to commemorate the fact that God was gonna lead his people out of slavery, that he was going to set them free. He's the God who sets people free. Don't forget that. But there's another layer to what's going on here. He doesn't want them to forget that he's the God who sets people free. He wants them to build a memorial to that memory, not because God takes pleasure in nostalgia about the past, but because memory fuels faith for the future. That's what it does. Holy memory fuels holy faith for God's preferred future for your life. And so Joshua has more to say. He says in verse 23, for the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. Why did he do that? Why did he dry up the Jordan? Why did he have them set up the stones? Why, why? So that 
all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. So guess what? This isn't just about their kids. This isn't just about their relationships. This isn't just about their extended family. This isn't just about now. This is about a global gospel. Here's the thing. The stones you carry out of any situation are meant to carry the gospel to the world. The stones you carry out of any moment, God has planned, God has a purpose in them. He's allowed that in your life so that through your life, people who have never heard about the gospel, people who have never heard that there's a God who loves them, God who sees them, God who cares about them, because they watched you, because they saw your story, and because they saw there was solidity to it, all of a sudden they thought, maybe, just maybe, there's a God in heaven who would care about me. That's the power so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. It's mighty. That's not the only thing. He certainly wants people around the world to know his power and know relationship with him. But Joshua says that you may fear the Lord your God forever. When we talk about the fear of the Lord, that's biblical terminology for reverence, stand in awe of. What God is signaling to them through Joshua is that the power of you remembering who God is and what God has done is that it creates awe. It creates awe of God, not just in your heart, it creates awe of God in your home. If you want your kids to stand in awe of God like you do, well, then you, you better start building monuments to God's faithfulness and God's goodness and God's healing power and God's presence because there's reality to it. He says that you may fear the Lord your God forever. In that reverence, what is indicated as well is that as you're standing in awe of God, as you reverence God, what enters into your life, what that introduces into your life is a greater experience of Him. All of a sudden what's happening is it's deepening your, not just your understanding cognitively, but your understanding relationally that it's introducing because you know him more, you know his joy more. Because you know him more, you know his peace more. Because you know him more, you know his grace more. And all of a sudden, the reality of what was conceptual at one point becomes concrete in your heart and in your life in a new way, a new way. Part of the, the new normal that God wants for you is not that you would just learn more about him through the book of Joshua, but that you would know him to a degree and in a way that you never have before. That here, and I, I would just say this, you wanna put this into practice? What would be powerful is for every one of us to take time today, and I wanna challenge you to do this, that you would take time today to recount things that God has done in your life and ways that God has helped you and you would tell somebody about it. 
that you would get some space and say, here's how God has helped me. I, I haven't been vocal enough about this, but God has provided exactly what we needed. I haven't been vocal enough about this, but God is just, he's given me joy in the midst of trial and adversity. I haven't been vocal enough about this, but God has just supplied his peace and his presence like I've never experienced before. What you ought to do today, what we ought to do today is start building some monuments to the faithfulness of God through the conversation with people around us. The best Mother's Day conversation that could happen today is for you to go around the table and say, look at what God has done. Look at how he's helped us. Look at how he's gone before us. 2020 was crazy, but God brought us through and he's the God who will bring us through. He's not done yet because in large part, we are the product of what we remember.